The Holy Gospel according to St. Mark. In words of Jesus that follow an argument that some of his disciples have had of who should sit at his right and his left in the kingdom. When the ten disciples heard this, they began to be angry with James and John. So Jesus called them and said to them, You know that among the Gentiles, those whom they recognize as their rulers lord it over them, and their great ones are tyrants over them. But it is not so among you. But whoever wishes to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wishes to be first among you must be slave of all. For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. The Gospel of the Lord. You may be seated. In the Bible readings that we have already heard during the seasons of creation that we have followed here, we have remembered the sacredness of earth and sky and water and mountains and wilderness and fauna and even of the whole cosmos. And now today, we remember the sacredness of humankind. Not humankind apart from creation, but humankind in creation. Humankind as an integral and interdependent part of all that is. In our spiritual tradition, the birth story of humankind is found in those first chapters of Genesis. So we come back to them again today to listen for the truth about who we are. And the deepest truth of all is the one that comes right up front in the first sentence where humankind is mentioned in the creation story. God says, let us make humankind in our image. You can say many other important things about who we are, but nothing seems to matter more than that. When all is said and done, the truth remains that every human being in every time and place is created in the image of God. And as Julian of Norwich said, we're not only created by God, we are created of God, which means that every one of us, without exception, has the essence of God deep within us. At our best as humankind, we have affirmed that for ourselves and for others. At our best, we have let that deep truth shape and direct how we understand our own identity, who we are, and how we treat other human beings. Remembering that every person bears the likeness of God regardless of their race or gender identity or sexual orientation or any other unique parts of who that person is as God's child. At our worst, we have done the opposite. At our worst, we have questioned our own worth 
as human beings. And sometimes we've fallen into the darkness of self-abasement. At our worst, we have denied the truth that every other human being bears God's likeness. And we have invented myths about our own superiority. At our worst, even today, we have closed our eyes to the image of God in others, especially others that we want to treat in an undignified way or in a way that advances our own selfish ambitions. The problem, of course, is that you can't easily dismiss or abuse another human being when you first look at them and see the image of God. You can't justify any act of naked aggression towards them or any form of discrimination when you see them as bearers of God's likeness. I thought about that when I attended a rally in Tacoma this month that was led by members of the Puyallup tribe. When white settlers came to this area in search of land and resources and control of their own destiny, they did not look at the native inhabitants here and see the image of God. Instead, they saw what they described as savages. They saw people who they thought were less than human and certainly less than any one of their own clan. At least that's the story they told themselves. And how else could they have justified their actions? How else could they have told themselves that it was okay to steal the land and kill men, women, and children who stood in their way and denigrate the culture and rich spiritual tradition of a people and give only partial status and rights to the ones who adopted their own dominant culture and religion? And how else could human beings justify any of those actions today, wherever one person or one group is debased by another? In my view, you don't do any of those things to another human being if you truly see the image of God in them. When I came back from a retreat this spring, I told some of you a story that I heard about a gathering that recently took place in Canada. It was an event where a Christian theologian was reclaiming this truth about the holy image and the light of God that is in every person and arguing that this truth is central to everything else that we say about ourselves and about God. The people at that gathering were descendants of white immigrants along with native Canadians from some of the First Nations in that region. And near the end of the presentation, one of the native elders stood up and wiped tears out of his eyes and said, I have been sitting here tonight listening to this and just trying to imagine how different our story would be if the first white Christians who came here came with that theology. With him, we can also wonder how different 
the story would be of so many people throughout the world who have been put down, cast aside, enslaved, exploited by humans with power who fail to see the image of God in every single one of them. But what is that image of God? What is that divine spirit that is breathed into every human being? The big answer to that question begins with one small word that is found in that first sentence of our birth story. As many have noted, it is the word us. Listen again to what God says. Instead of speaking in the first person singular, God speaks in the third person plural and says, let us create humankind in our image. If we miss the grammar there, we miss the whole point. According to Terry Fredheim, one of my teachers, this shows that God is by nature a social being functioning within what he calls a divine community that is rich and complex. And then he goes on to say, only social and relational human beings are truly correspondent to such a God. And that is the heart of what it means to be created in God's image. It means that we are made for relationships. Relationship with God and relationships with other people in an interdependent way. That should be good news always to us. But a big part of our human story is our fight against this interdependent, relational essence of God that is within each one of us. And for that too, there is one small word, sin. I especially like the way it's described in a book that our church council recently read called Care for Creation. Sin, the author said, describes the personal history of one who was created for communion and refuses it. It is the rejection of our identity as part of an interdependent world in which God's power as creative source expresses itself through the shared power of other creatures. In our own experience, it's not hard to identify the costly results of our own refusal to be in communion with all other humans and with creation. Many of those results were painfully clear to me when I read the history of our city and region in Murray Morgan's book called Puget's Sound. From the forced removal and genocide of native peoples to the hateful expulsion of Chinese laborers to the racist-driven redlining of neighborhoods to all of the ethnic and social and economic divisions that persist to this day, we have been broken apart by our sin time and time again. I have been sad and often angry about that. And then I have seen the image of God shining forth in people who let that divine us 
deep within, replace the selfish me. And that too is a big part of our story in this town and in our world. And that's why I continue to live in hope of what is possible when more and more of us human beings let that essence of God that is deep within us shine through in our thoughts and our words and our deeds. As Christians, we say that Jesus was and is the perfect example of this. And we look to him to be a force within us that can reconnect us to our true selves. That miracle happens, I believe, whenever we do it, St. Paul encourages us to do in those beautiful words today that we heard. It happens whenever we let the same mind be in us that was in Christ Jesus. It happens whenever we give up our isolated existence for the sake of greater union. It happens when we follow Jesus' path of self-sacrifice in order to live in solidarity with all who suffer and with all who yearn for God's justice and peace. It happens, too, when we let that divine us within our soul extend beyond humanity to all creation. It happens when we look at the earth and the planets and the stars and the water and the mountains and the wilderness and the fauna and we see them like St. Francis of Assisi as our own beloved brothers and sisters. The fact that he did means that we can also. And it means that we can take that love of God that has been put deep within us and be the community that God dreamed of when God said, let us create humankind in our image. Amen.